Hello and welcome to the Data-Driven Supply Chain Podcast, where we talk about some of the toughest problems in supply chain. Uh, today, to spice things up, we wanted to explore a bit of engineering side of things. Our guest today is someone very experienced on the research side of mechanical engineering, system engineering, and geometric modeling. He's worked at Angstrom, CD3 Labs, Airbus, and then currently he's finishing his PhD at McGill, as well as leads uh, research at Axia. So welcome to the show, Nikita. I'll let you tell us, us and all of our audience a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. And I think you introduced it pretty well already. But uh, yeah, so um, what I uh, what I do currently is um, do research at AXE and at McGill University. And uh, the, uh, in both cases, it's uh, it's uh, it's intertwined a bit. Uh, so uh, in McGill, I do research on geometric modeling for uh, 3D printing, additive manufacturing, if we're speaking more uh, formal terms. And uh, at AXA, it's also geometric modeling and whatever is related to uh, engineering design and uh, CAD files, uh, but uh, in more uh, well, let's say uh, conventional terms, uh, conventional manufacturing. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Great, great, perfect. So yeah, I guess t in today's, uh, today's, I would even call it more like a casual conversation. We wanted to talk a little bit about, a bit about your research, understand what you're currently researching about. And I guess today's podcast will be more interesting to the engineers side of our podcast listeners and for them to understand what's what's happening um what's the latest happenings uh around uh, around manufacturing and mechanical engineering so yeah nikita if you can start off with telling us a little bit about what is your current subject of research and yeah how is it lined out yeah um i will introduce 3d printing in general i think uh, first, because uh, because that's where it started. Uh, um, started like several decades ago. Uh, by now, um, so three D printing is uh, why is it called additive manufacturing? Is because unlike conventional manufacturing, which we call subtractive, uh, we do not have a brick of metal or any other material, and we shape it into something that we want by cutting some things out of it subtracting uh here we actually add material that's we, that's what is why it's called additive manufacturing so we have nothing at the beginning and then we build up uh, uh something from nothing uh well not from nothing nothing the material is kind of uh getting into uh, by different means but uh, that's just a technicality um so yeah and that kind of process it allowed us, uh, it inc increased our design freedom quite a lot because uh, mm, we can finally add something uh, uh, and not, not subtract and st still get uh, something that we need because by subtracting, there's so much you can do with subtracting, but it's still limited. And uh, an example of that would be a lattice structure, for example. Uh, what it is, is essentially, it's a foam you can you can imagine it as a foam but not necessarily uh made of some foam material not necessarily it could be a metal foam it could be uh it could be a 
um, a composite material. It could be pretty much anything that you can use for graffiti printing, plastic usually. Um, but yeah, uh, that's one thing that we can manufacture with uh, with three D printing, and uh, this is something that's uh, previously was done with very, uh, I would say, uh, luxurious and extreme manufacturing methods, but not anymore. Uh, yeah. Because we can just uh, we can just uh, basically build up a, a thing from uh, um, on a plate pretty much that's that's pretty interesting because um um uh what you're saying here is that uh, uh like uh, additive manufacturing compared to subtractive manufacturing kind of opens up a bunch of possibility i know a bit about later structure um but it i i don't think it's possible to to uh to uh uh, uh engineer one with subtractive manufacturing that's correct Mm, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been possible. Like people were trying to do that even forty years ago, but it was so extreme and not commercially uh, justified. So uh, no, it was uh, it was possible, but it was very close to impossible. Oh, I think you moved. Now, because there's uh, there's uh, more advance in uh, in uh, additive manufacturing, um, it's 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 uh, uh, more uh, commercially viable how how much um how much do you think uh leader structure are in i would say their um um their uh, uh their 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 commercially viability uh, right now given the research well as many things in uh in manufacturing in general the very uh the the pioneers in manufacturing are actually aerospace uh Aerospace industry companies like Airbus, NASA, these kind of guys. Uh, so, uh, and that's where the lattice structure usually being applied the first. Why is because, well, they are kind of lightweight while preserving most of the properties of the original material. Um, and if you if you adjust the properties of the lattice structure, then you can kind of control its properties uh, uh, quite well. There is quite a lot of research on that what what kind of properties you need to to control to change and uh, to uh, to be able to provide the necessary properties cool that's pretty neat so uh, you, you said um uh, aerospace in general um um where would i find find a leader structure i would say in uh -huh. a, okay i'm, I'm going to find this in an airplane or uh usually yes. turbine blades blades for example um also, they are applied. Light, lightweight is only one of the properties um, that lattice structures can provide. Um, for one of the another one would be, for example, a heat uh, heat transfer, because uh, they kind of serve as a radiator of some sort uh, in gas turbines. Um, and again, different properties. Uh, they also affect the flow properties, the thermal properties of the air that kind of flows through through the lattice structure. Uh, quite significantly so yeah that's another application um whenever the, the, there is a, anything lightweight for example i remember there was like a project for example <laughs> for example there was a company who uh wanted to patent a golf club and they wanted to make it lightweight uh, and that's another application okay okay cool, cool, cool. perfect so uh but uh, um uh, now this thing is more commercially viable and stuff 
Um, but um, uh, since like additive manufacturing, it's kind of fairly, um, it's still a bit in its infancy, it's starting to to pick up and uh, be more commercially uh, uh, reliable and stuff. Um, but I would assume that designing um, uh, data structure is not out of the box possible uh, in most uh, in most packages. Um, so I think one of your point in your research is just this: like how you how can we design a data structure and set up a framework around that? Can you talk to us a bit more about it? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Because uh, because that's uh, that's precisely the issue. Most of the software tools that uh, deal with geometric modeling of any uh, engineering parts or assemblies, they've been developed uh, at least uh, 30, 20 years ago, and uh, they've been in reality where subtractive manufacturing was dominating, and they didn't care that, uh, well, something could be made with uh, additive manufacturing, and uh, they just didn't adjust to that kind of process. So. Uh, the result is that they don't have too much tools for, for example, for uh, such thing, simple things as, for example, patterning. And uh, lattice structure is essentially a pattern of uh, a repeatable pattern of uh, porous unit cells, pretty much. And that could be patterned like in all three directions. Um, so yeah, the, even though some of the these tools kind of provide the possibility to to pattern. Um, Still, the pattern will be heavily homogeneous. What I mean by that is every single unit cell of that lattice would be precisely the same as the original one, and there is no way to control that uh, change in any direction. Right, 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 right. And the latest structure by default are, um, um, I think I've, I've seen I read one of your paper about like biologically inspired latest structure because they it's not something that we've initially invented. Um, it's something that you like. Uh, um, it's kind of a uh, building blocks of how mm. things can be built, and uh, organism naturally come up with them because they kind of work, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, I would understand that uh, CAD software will not have this built in out of the box because it's much easier to say like, hey, from this point to this point, let's let's have a line with this thickness, than to say like, hey, from this point to this point, let's like generatively uh set up a very organic uh, uh set of structure that uh, will will hold this thing in place with this pro property it seems more of like a, an optimization problem than a geometric like a modeling problem cool yeah. so also about the, a little bit of byron spread lattice structure is a, is a, is, a, is the funny thing that by lattice structures are in general byron inspired by themselves uh, just because people came up with that when they were looking at human bones under the microscope, I would imagine. Or, well, at, at many things, if you look at like, under the microscope, we will see a lattice structure pretty much. So, and uh, among other things, that would be uh, that would be some biological organism. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I think Ahmad, you wanted to ask a question, but I'm very interested into this because I studied anatomy and cell biology for like a long while. And I've seen them, like I've seen them in like different type of tissues. Uh, bone, you you you've named it, and like it's very porous when you look at it. Uh, but it's it's it it's uh, it's solid, right? But it needs to be porous for some reasons. And there's a lot of places in the body and the and the way it's it's uh, it's set up that it, it, you need that sort of structure. When you look even inside a cell, um, um, 
uh, uh, the the kind of skeleton of the because the cell is not just like um, a blob, right? There's kind of a skeleton that can build and and get uh, debuilt uh, within itself, and it's yet again a later structure. Um, and it's the way that you can uh, save as much as energy because you don't need to like fill it up completely. Uh, you can keep it porous, and it keeps the the right property. It's kind of the most cost efficient way to set up the structure to do whatever you need. If it's moving, if it's like setting up the the form of the cell. Um, cool. Sorry for that. <laughs> no, that was a, uh, that was a good input. Yes. Definitely. I uh, again, I'm I'm sort of very interested in the uh, as I read as I've sort of done some research before this about about 3d printed lattice structures um i want to know nikita from you like in terms of like cost implications how do you see it is it more expensive to have uh, things designed with additive manufacturing compared to the more traditional or do you see it getting into one stream because one of the one of the major sort of like um, um arguments you hear is that, like it's expensive and it, it requires uh yeah it requires you to have very precise uh, engineering in place so yeah tell us a bit about the costs yeah definitely uh, 3d printing in general is not for mass production just yet but what it's good for first of all is for rapid prototyping because if you have something in mind that then you can have it printed by tomorrow usually uh that's one thing another thing is uh it you can uh if the financial capabilities allow you can do some serial production of uh, of some stuff of the slightest structure no massive production yet but still it's pretty good already um and now that we, now we actually see that it uh, the 3d printing becomes more uh commercially available even to not even to manufacturers. I mean, uh, somebody can just go and buy a 3D printer and put it in, uh, at home, and they even make the the software to control that 3D printer open source, which is which makes it even more available to uh, to the people. So yeah, awesome, awesome. And 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 Nikita, like personally, which which application of 3D printed lattice structures are you most uh, looking forward to? Like which. Of, I know there, it has a lot of applications from, like you mentioned a few as well. I know medical implants, and there's there's a lot of stuff that it 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 gets used for. But which is the one, or which are a few that you are super excited about in terms of uh, practical applications? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would more. Uh, I w I'm looking forward to see lattice structure in day-to-day -day life. <laughs> so to say so if i if one day i see a table or a chair made with lattice structures then i see that yeah the, these things finally become uh, commercially available to everyone uh, and that's uh, that would be pretty awesome because for now uh mostly as i said like airspace uh, guys uh, with big budgets can afford that uh, kind of thing uh, but we we know from the from the experience that whatever the airspace uh, airspace guys are doing is usually becoming more and more available um, mm -hmm. in later years. Like uh, first, then there's going to be automotive industry ad ad adopting this, then the conventional manufacturing industry, and then uh, and then it's everywhere. Cool, pretty cool. And um, um, like if you if you think conceptually about it, right? Uh, we have kind of the technology which is like. Uh, we don't have to do it subtractively. We can do it like additively, which make more sense in um, setting up these these more organic structures. Um, 
but then uh, what do you think is the bottleneck is it like the production of that at like a larger scale or really is it about like um setting up the software so that we can with the existing tool um uh 3d print this thing uh, properly because like technically 3d printing uh you have your the voxel where you're doing the stuff you can make this thing move in in any direction right so um uh within the space we need to set up this structure in my sense in the bottleneck might be more into the software than the than actually like the engineering of the the putting the the additive one what do you think yeah definitely we actually at the situation when there is a gap uh between the design freedom and the manufacturing freedom and the situation currently is that the manufacturing freedom is is uh is developed more than the design freedom so um it doesn't mean that everything that uh, that is designed could be manufactured no still with additive manufacturing there are limitations to what can be manufactured uh to the to the size of the thing that could be manufactured for example or for example you cannot print on the thin air unfortunately not yet um but uh but uh, there are some uh, quite a lot of limitations from the software side and uh, and uh, as an example of that um, um for example i've seen a lot of situations when someone has a conceptual design of very fancy bio-inspired object that will be applied to for example uh, produce uh, bone implants uh, for humans but uh, the design is so nice and awesome but unfortunately nobody just had a software to design this kind of conceptual design so it remained on paper and uh, then they tried to do some uh some actual design in software and that reduced some complexity and the the final object it was very different from the original conceptual design so it it also takes a lot of time from the conceptual designers from engineers just to come up what would be the the final design from the conceptual design just because the right. the software cannot just give you the whatever you have in a conceptual design yeah but uh, that's that's pretty interesting because i think one of the your the i think the third part of your your research is really to like uh bridge that gap and have the technical software in order to design that structure so that you can do the whole thing um from my uh um like understanding um uh for a specific application you don't need like a set set uh, that is structure um i would say a, a very fixed uh, way of doing it it's more of like a generative process where you have some parameter that you have to respect and then then you you the lattice structure get generated that fit this thing because whether like it has uh this difference or this difference um it may be like um uh, uh uh balance itself out which do exactly the same thing um can you walk us through a bit like how the hell are you going to develop a software to do something so organic um that doesn't necessarily apply like hey i'm going to put this point to this point this point to this point and this is how we're going to set up yeah sure uh first of all i'm not alone in uh, doing that research and there are even commercially available softwares that can design lattice structures still what uh, what uh, what i focus on is slightly different um first of all uh every geometric object can be described with uh well with math pretty much um so uh 
for everything, you can come up with an equation that describes the geometry of that object. And that is something that I was uh, I was applying uh, when uh, when uh, designing the framework for the um, for my method to design lattice structures. And even more so, uh, I kind of split uh, uh, split the geometric functions of lattice structure like of a single unit cell and the geometric uh, function that describes how the properties change in different directions. Um, so by doing so, I kind of reduce the complexity of the whole process uh, because every unit cell, it has some like different sets of parameters that it needs to, to have to be defined. And uh, these parameters can be controlled by another mathematical function pretty much. And uh, yeah, that reduces the complexity. Um, and that also allows us to uh, to have more design freedom and uh, be able to design more things that are, are commonly would be not possible to be designed. Oh, cool. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, then um, the follow-up question is, how do you set these parameters um, for these, uh, these functions in order to do whatever design that you that you want what would, would be the process here i think there's many ways of going about it but uh, how did you do it yeah well there's well there's quite a lot of parameters most of them are geometric parameters um so for example uh, in lattice structure if it's made of unit cells then uh, then it's going to be for example the size of that unit cell it could be like a, it could be a cube uh, of like let's say 10 millimeters in uh, in size or in some cases it could be not a cube it could be a small cylinder uh, it's also fine uh, which can be parted in some weird way um, so the shape and the the size of the unit cells are like one example of the parameters another parameter would be thickness of the of uh, of lattice structure, or usually sometimes uh, sometimes people just uh, just set it as a porosity of that lattice structure. So it's like a percentage how much of that uh, volume is actually filled with material rather than rather than air. Um, but those two parameters are kind of um, kind of relate relate to each other. Um, so. Yeah, th those are mostly the geometric parameters. However, what I found also is that some of the lattice structures they have some other parameters which uh, which affect how this uh, how which affect the shape of the of the unit cell itself. So, uh, for example, um, <clears throat> as an example, what can be an example? Well, Im Im you can imagine a triangle at which we can uh, iteratively at one vertex we can put an an extra edge and that makes it uh, um, now it makes it a polygon with with four sides and we can iteratively increase the size of that extra edge until it's square so that's an example of what we can do a little bit of extra um, here yeah cool cool perfect that's um, that's pretty neat um, uh... Nikita, and uh, how how far along are you with um, this software? Hmm, yeah, it's a uh, well, the software prototype I would say is pretty much ready. Um, the the thing I want to still focus on is uh, uh, how do different uh, unit cells are connecting with each other, in particular if they are different. 
which is uh, which can be in some cases impossible, but in some cases uh, why not? Um, but in general, what I did uh, to ensure that uh, the software is not gone and forgotten until after I graduate is uh, um, I made it open source so that it's uh, available to everyone, and I can make sure that uh, uh, I will see that if somebody is interested in that, they can just pick up the work and uh, feel free to contribute. Uh, another thing is uh, um, the software is using most of the, uh, uh, some of the other open source things, which is uh, uh, which are also heavily supported by the open source community. Uh, so uh, the idea was uh, to make it simple and uh, supportable, uh, so that uh, not only the software itself is supportable, but whatever dependencies it has are also supportable. Cool, cool, cool. So what's the name of your uh, repository, by the way? Ah, it's a Lattice Query. Um, it's called like that because it's inspired a bit on uh, another thing, which is cat, which is called Cat Query. Um, and uh, that other tool is uh, for more conventional design, while I kind of uh, um, modified it to fit more to the latch structure domain. Cool, cool, cool. Found it. Perfect. We're going to link it into the description of this. Yeah. Podcast. yeah and, and, and speaking of like uh, resources, uh, Nikita, for somebody who's not like as an engineer, somebody who's not ex experienced or experimented rather with the lattice structures, what would be some of the resources um, you would suggest to direct them to start uh, studying about the field and maybe even experimenting in their in their work with, with lattice structure designs? Mm. Yeah, one, uh, one thing would be, for example, there's quite a lot of lattice structures that people just upload online. Uh, so one way could be just to try download them, print them with a 3D printer, see how it looks like. Um, there is a lot of open source tools that can give you a 3D model. For example, Blender, uh, you can use that. Uh, people use it for computer graphics, uh, design of uh, objects, for video games, for uh, uh, for many purposes. But one of the other applications it could uh, it could provide you it can give you well the possibility to print the object itself, whatever you design. Uh, so and. Uh, most of those, so most of the tools, they have like a strong community that uh, that would be re really glad to help. There is also quite a lot of documentation on uh, uh, designing lattice structure as well on the well uh, on the internet. A lot of papers published, <laughs> including some of mine. Uh, um, but yeah, there, uh, the 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 fact that we have so much. Uh, Documentation available is a, is a very good thing because uh, that means the uh, the whole domain is uh, hedging somewhere and is uh, developing rapidly. Okay, cool. Thank you. We'll we'll try to put some of those links in the uh, in the description. Last question, which I always love to ask people who are doing research, like um, especially um, deep research. Um, why? Why did you pick this subject out of all this, all the topics out there in mechanical engineering? Why lattice structures, and what sort of was, uh, what inspired you to do your research focused around this area? Ah, that's a very good question. Uh, so first of all, my 
my research previously, before starting my PhD, my uh, master's, and in general, it was uh, focused about geomet uh, around the geometric modeling in general, but for more conventional purposes. And uh, I thought that lattice structures are kind of extreme geometric objects that are very hard to uh, to design, to model, and to produce. And uh, that kind of felt like a very, very nice challenge. So here I am. Cool, perfect. Thank you, Nikita, so much. Um, we appreciate you sharing all the nuggets of wisdom. I'm sure, I, I'm quite sure that the engineering fan base of our podcast must have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, and hopefully the procurement folks have a newfound respect for everybody um, in the engineering. So yeah, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us or to Nikita directly. I guess he's uh, more active on LinkedIn and we're gonna share some of his uh, work and links uh, for you all to 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 chat with them. Um, and yeah, that, that will be all from our site for today. We have a surprise guest appearance next week. So stay tuned and hit subscribe to get all the updates as soon as we release another episode. And that's all folks. Uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Nikita.